0: Every now and then, something will incite a debate about modesty in our culture. And this is an important thing, because modesty is a good thing. And the reason we know that it's a good thing is because we all hate it when someone acts immodestly around us based on whatever standard of modesty we happen to uphold. We don't like it when others act arrogantly in proximity to ourselves. Nobody likes it when someone excessively boasts or brags or flagrantly tries to capture all the attention to be had for themselves, leaving none for the rest of us. Like for example, nobody likes the person who always has the one-up story. Do you know what I mean by that? Like the person who, when you're in a group of people and you tell a story that you think will be interesting to everybody else, and then they jump in right afterwards with something like, oh yeah, well this one time I did something so much cooler than that. So I hope that we can all admit that modesty in, it, in its various forms, is something that we can all appreciate as a good that helps society get along better. But what about modesty in the way that we present ourselves physically, and especially in how we dress?
1: Welcome to Thoroughly Equipped, a podcast for women where we compare the popular women's ministry teachings, books, conferences, Bible studies, etc. to Scripture. Our focus is 2 Timothy three sixteen 16-17, that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I am your host, Melba Toast. May this episode bless you and bring glory to God. Welcome, ladies, to a very unprecedented episode. I am not a tweeter. (laughs) Now, I have a tweet account, and I do check it every once in a while, so I'm fairly new to Twitter controversies, and I get why people like to talk about them. Now, I don't plan on centering this podcast on controversies that are on the web, There are other podcasts that do that. It's not the purpose for Thoroughly Equipped, though. So when this topic that I wish to address exploded on social media, I am usually very willing to watch from the sidelines. I thought, well, there are other women doing a better job at dealing with this topic. But this morning, as I was scrolling through Twitter, a gentleman posted a tweet that made me think. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that this topic is actually quite important and very related to the purpose of this podcast, as you will soon see. So I had to get my thoughts together and address the issue. So, what is the controversy? Well, I'm going to play for you a clip that pretty much sums it up. This clip is from a recent video posted by Spencer Smith. Some of you may know his channel. Now, me playing this clip, does not mean I endorse his channel? There are some things I don't agree with in his teachings, but in regards to this video, he presents the controversy and addresses the topic thoughtfully. I'll play a portion for you so you know what's going on in the Twitter sphere discussion.
2: Oh boy, we're going to talk about one tweet today. I, I guess this is the tweet heard around the world, I guess. Hey guys, your friend Spencer here. I want to... <laughs> There's this guy on Twitter. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm a big fan. Uh, pastor Brian Suave, uh, who uh, posted a tweet, liberal feminist meltdown uh, Twitter on Twitter over one tweet from a Christian pastor. This is from theblaze.com. And uh, I want to show you this tweet. <laughs> he said, dear ladies, there's no reason whatsoever for you to post pictures of yourself in low cut shirts, bikinis, bra and underwear or anything similar ever. Not to show your weight loss journey, not to show your newborn baby, and not to document your birth story, your brother's. Um, and, 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 and you'd have thought he said like, you'd have thought he, he'd cussed or something like that, but you see, it's gone over 20,000 quote tweets, uh, over 7,000 likes. I retweeted it and, uh, Uh, just because I agreed with it. But uh, The Blaze has covered this, saying that uh, liberal feminists are having a meltdown over this. Uh, Christian Pastor was the top uh, nationally trending topic on Twitter after he offered unsolicited advice to women and many were outraged and offended. Brian Swaby, pastor of Refuge Church in Ogden, Utah, was accused of misogyny and sexism for his tweet on Monday. Dear ladies, there's no reason whatsoever you post and you showed that. Uh, we read that. Uh, the innocuous tweet received over 2,000 likes, over 9,000 retweets. Uh, it's over 20 now. Uh, but also unleashed a torrent of furious responses from many on the left and others who made the phrase Dear Brian trend nationally. Some sent pornographic images Images attached to their replies. By the way, Adidas, the Adidas company of the United Kingdom, Adidas UK, posted pornographic images on Twitter. And uh, I am a proud member of the congregation of the Holy Church of Mind Your Own Stinking Business. You should try it sometime. Uh, that's MSNBC contributor Katie Fang. And um, pastors like you are why the church is known for misogyny and subjugation of women more than empathy and equity. You should try the sacred ministry of minding your own business and uh, responded anti-Trump, John Pavlovich. Pol- uh, Dear Brian, your invisible sky daddy doesn't care how you like to do it, and neither does anyone else, you repressed weirdo. No one's going to share anything with you, perv. Uh, please get therapy, how to treat women as the human beings we are. And it just it just goes on and on and on. I mean, this man literally set the world on fire <laughs> with a tweet. <laughs> Oh lord help this man give him grace and strength in these days. Uh matter of fact, I I want to tell you that one of the people that this really angered was liberal false teacher Christian woman preacher Beth Moore, who's just the way the thing that she responded to this was inappropriate. Like Beth Moore is outing herself every time she talks. And I, uh, I tried to, uh, I had to use the way back machine because uh, because she actually deleted this in response to this tweet. But here's what Beth Moore actually said, and I've, I've got a screenshot of it right here, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later. But uh, this is what Beth Moore said to this tweet. She said, Dude, there is no world in which we ever want to see the word brawl from you again. Mind your unders. Now, I think a Christian woman who had some understanding of the Bible uh, probably would— Really, not have any problem in principle with what he said, and uh, but Beth Moore is just outing herself more and more and more as the liberal false teacher that she is. So let let's talk about this for a moment, okay? Um, dear ladies, there's no reason whatsoever for you to post pictures of yourself in low cut shirts, bikinis, bra, and underwear or anything similar ever. We have to understand this is directed towards Christian women.
1: Okay, so this topic is a hot topic. And I think it's hot because deep down we know it's important. It's a topic that for decades now the church has neglected, and it's a topic that is a reflection of the heart. And being so, people are either convicting or being convicted, especially convicting women in the church, as Brian Suave has corrected women who have no shame in revealing their bodies on social media. This issue also has revealed pride in us sinful creatures, all pointing the finger at one another. On one side, you have women telling men to stay out of their business and accusing men who look at women in lust as his sin issue, rejecting any examination of their own heart and the sin that resides in it. We even have women in blatant defiance of this admonition, presenting themselves in extremely provocative attire on social media. While on the other side, You have a calling to women to, in love, dress accordingly to protect their brothers, but if we're not careful, this can lead to self-righteousness as one woman will look at what they deem as an immodest woman and judge her to be unloving. Amongst all of this, people are watching and wondering, how did we get here? So this brings me to the reason for this episode. In all the tweets going back and forth on this issue, there was one that stood out to me, and that was a tweet by That Brian Imperfect Perfectionist. In his tweet, he addresses the reason of why Brian Suave tweeted what he did. He says, Why did Brian Suave have to instruct young women regarding modesty? Because the older women didn't. Titus 2, 3-5 Now, I do want to point out that this portion of scripture does not instruct women to teach younger women what to wear, what is too little, or what is too much, etc. There are other scripture verses to address how women are to present themselves. We will look at those in a bit. But it does address that an older woman train a younger woman to be pure or chaste. Purity and chastity are heart issues. What that Brian is addressing in this tweet is the state of women teaching other women in our day and age that we older women in the church are failing to train the younger. I heartily agree with this. We have not and are not teaching modesty. Women in the church are teaching the younger. The problem is what they are teaching The typical American evangelical church today has more women involved in the church than ever before. They are propped up to leadership positions, and our younger women see this example and are being taught by it. The feminist ideology has its tendrils in the evangelical church, and the younger women are being brought up into it. So yes, they are being taught by older women. They are being taught that to prove that they are equal to men, they must perform, act, and have the same roles as men. They are taught that God loves them just as they are, and wishes to grant them success in their life through their purpose. They are taught that they are given a dream purpose by God, and no one should get in their way. They are also taught that they honor God through loving themselves. Today's Christianity is a religion for consumers. And it is especially exemplified in women's ministry, the selling and study of personality instead of God's word. Women's conferences ripe with experiences and moving stories. We pay to be entertained and motivated in the name of Christ, who becomes our lover and only lives to please us. So how does this affect modesty in a woman? Simple. Modesty doesn't exist in this religion. Modesty is the quality or state of being unassuming or moderate in the estimation of one's abilities. Modesty results from what one believes about themselves. If I have been taught and believe that I am needed by God to accomplish a purpose, and I am loved just as I am, there is no moderate estimation of one's abilities." Instead, a woman is taught to think more highly than she ought to of herself, and not be ashamed of it. This attitude will be reflected by some in the way they dress. She will dress as she sees fit, in ways that will justify what she already believes about herself, or in ways to draw attention to herself, because all things are done for herself and for her ego. Now on the flip side, in the extremely fundamentalist churches, Christianity is a religion of rules. Women remain quiet and submissive, subject to men. Older women teach the younger, even in these environments, how to act and behave. They teach women that their actions will result in men sitting. While there is a grain of truth in that, I rightly grasp that my behavior can tempt one to sin. The question is, how far does that rabbit hole go? R.C. Sproul taught on the tyranny of the weaker brother, a most relevant teaching to this discussion. Just how far should a woman go so as not to tempt the weaker brother? How does one judge whether one man is stronger and in control over lust than one who is not? A man who is lustful at heart does not need me to dress modestly. He will lust because he is lustful. So how will this type of environment affect modesty? Again, it will be about the self. It will become more about obeying the man-made rules in regards to what is proper and decent, adding to Christ's instructions to ensure that one does not sin in tempting another to sin. These man-made rules will lead some to adhere to dress code and judge all others who do not adhere to said dress code. So, yes, in actuality, older women are teaching the younger. The problem is what they're teaching. Now, women in both of these spheres have not taught that which is good. Titus 2 says, Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. That was the NASB. The ESB renders it this way. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, etc., etc. Now, in both of these translations, it is the teaching what is good that results in training up women to perform certain behaviors that honor God. Well, what is good? Is it the actions given to us in this text? Well, I would say yes and no. I would say no in this regard that the actions are a result of teaching that is received. It is a result of learning that which is good. That begs the question again: What is good? Jesus tells us in Mark ten eighteen that no one is good but God alone. So, what or who is good but God? All that is good comes from God. Good is an attribute of God. All that is revealed about God is displayed in Christ, which we find and can read about in Scripture. Older women are not teaching Christ. Honestly, we have not been trained unto Christ. He is neither preached nor proclaimed in most churches, for the women chosen by God, her delight will be in Christ, driving her to honor God's word. This woman will train other women to delight in Christ the one who creates purity, chastity, and modesty of the heart. So, as a Christian woman, I want to address this. That Brian is right that we women have failed at guiding the younger into purity and modesty. And now because women have not really dealt with this issue, we are arguing amongst ourselves trying to wrestle with it. Here's one of the things I see going around in the discussion on attire or lack thereof. That purity and modesty go together. Well, I'm not entirely sure that that's true. Purity in Titus 2 context is about being clean from sexual misconduct. And yes, that can include provocative dress. We have a tendency today to equate modesty with physical clothing that portrays purity. And yes, there's something to that. But the problem with that is that even modest dress may not always reflect purity. Modesty is a behavior, a manner, or appearance intended to avoid impropriety or indecency. Modest attire is meant to convey purity. What I believe may be left out of the conversation is that modesty is also a character trait. It is a state of being unassuming or moderate in the estimation of one's abilities, the quality of being relatively moderate, limited, or small in amount, rate, or level. So, while women should be teaching others how to be pure and self-controlled in conduct, what about modest in character as well as dress? Because honestly, our dress reflects our character. I want to dive into this a little more, but first we need to think more on the conflict Christian women are trying to resolve in this debate. And that is this. Is dressing modestly a Christian liberty issue or a loving-thy-neighbor issue? It is a good question that Christian women need to deal with. So, ladies, what do you think? From just listening to the clip I played and hearing a very small portion of the responses given, where do you fall in this debate? Well, I propose that it is neither. Modesty is a glory issue. Whether it be in my character or what I wear, the question is, Who do I want to receive the glory? Does what I wear distract people from seeing Christ in me? Do I wish to limit attention and glory to my person, or do I wear certain attire because it draws attention to my person? Once I wrestle with this in my heart and repent of any desire for self-glory, I can then walk in Christian liberty and love. So why is modesty not taught in most Christian circles today? Well, one, we have forgotten or were not taught the gospel as Christian women. We have forgotten or are not taught that we are sinful, just as sinful as our male counterparts. We women have transgressed against the holy God and are deserving of his wrath and judgment. We have desired to love and draw attention to ourselves and not God, the one who deserves all praise and glory. We have looked for people to love us, to serve us, and to make us feel good. We think more highly than we ought to of ourselves. We too, ladies, were children of wrath, Ephesians two three, But God sent his Son, who willingly came from heaven to love and serve God perfectly for us, and then die and take the punishment we deserve. Yes, that includes all those times we dressed to draw attention to ourselves. Listen very closely. That includes the times we have posted pictures of ourselves scantily dressed to receive praise for losing weight or being pregnant or display our beauty. Who receives praise for your weight loss? Who should receive glory and worship for giving you that child? Who gave you your beauty? Was your post done in praise and honor to the one who gave you all these things? Was that post done in faith towards God? See, the first commandment, the second commandment, and the third commandment are transgressed when we do not give glory and honor to God in all things. You may say, but then how can anyone live up to these commandments? Well, exactly. We cannot. Our sinful nature prevents us from this; hence, why we need a Savior, one who is perfect and one who takes the full wrath of God, a God-Man, Jesus Christ, who accomplished all that was needed to save us, so we may become the children of God (Galatians 3:26), and gave us and indwelt in us the Holy Spirit (Romans 8:14), guiding us into the truth of God's Word (John 17:17) and instructing us. On how we should live. The other reason why modesty is not taught in most Christian circles today is because most of the women in Christianity do not know Christ. Not only is law and gospel not given in the church, but Christ is not given. If we do not know Christ, then we cannot display true modesty, only false modesty. If we do not understand who we truly are as sinful women, We do not look to Christ. All we do in Christian liberty and all we do in Christian love is rooted in who we worship and who receives the glory. The more a woman of God knows Christ, who he is, his nature, his works, etc., the more she will want to be like Christ. When we understand our need and who Christ is and all that he has done, we cannot but become humble, modest, meek women. So dressing modestly is a glory issue. Let me lay it out like this. Who do I want people to see? Who do I want people to praise? Who do I want my brothers in Christ to see? Scripture tells us that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within us, whom we have from God. We are not our own, for we were bought with a price so we are to glorify God in our body, 1 Corinthians six nineteen 19-20. That we are by the mercies of God to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship, Romans twelve one. So let's ask, is my body a sacrifice to Christ for his glory? Do I adorn this body to display Christ as a temple of the Holy Spirit, I should discern what clothing will most bring attention to Christ and his works through me. This same Holy Spirit instructs us to choose attire that we have determined is respectable apparel, displaying our modesty and self-control, that which is proper for women who profess godliness, apparel that draws attention to our good works instead of ourselves, 1 Timothy 2, 9-10. Why should good works be our adornment? Because they display Christ and they give Him glory. We are also instructed that our beauty does not come from how we adorn ourselves, but comes from a gentle and quiet spirit, that which is of great worth in God's sight, 1 Peter 3, 2-5. We are instructed to dress as women and not as men, Deuteronomy 22, 5. And that even the beauty of a woman is worthless if she is one that has no discretion. Proverbs eleven twenty two. If our attire brings attention to ourselves, then who are we glorifying? When a woman has go- godliness and Christ's glory as a focus in all she does, she will in her liberty choose wisely. The same applies when dealing with our weaker brother. What will the weaker brother see should our dress glorify Christ and not ourselves? The way we dress will be a result of loving them and a desire for them to see Christ in our good works so they may be edified and give glory to God. I also want to point out that our attire should not merely be a way to honor our husband because that would be to glorify our husbands always. Our attire is to glorify Christ. And in that glory, we will naturally bring honor to our husbands. So all of this is what I see as being missing from the discussion. And it's missing because we have somehow lost that theological matters are separated from practical matters. But theology directs all matters of life. What we believe about God is reflected in all we do and say. That includes what we wear. Immodesty is a result of this separation in the church. It's a result of not knowing God and not knowing Christ. And yes, we women in the church throughout the decades have promoted this view by making women's ministry about women and not about Christ. So how can we rectify this? How can an older woman train a younger woman to be modest? First, the older woman must be learning about Christ and so that she can know, love, and bring him glory. We as human beings are always learning. We were created to learn, created to be disciples. But popular women's ministry today makes disciples of Beth Moore, Jenny Allen, Christine Kane, Lisa Turkers, etc. Attend the book studies that poses Bible studies or the popular conferences put on by these parachurch ministries and who is taught but the popular speaker. Their life stories, their advice, and their experiences are given. Not Christ's life story, not Christ's character, and not his instructions. So women need to break away from women who teach about themselves. We need to be reading scripture and learning about Christ, as well as putting ourselves under men who preach Christ and women who teach Christ. It takes hard work to do this. This takes submission. It takes rejecting what we want to hear, sometimes rejecting our need to be entertained, and to be willing to hear and accept God's word. Our comfort will be attacked as we will have to address our sin. We will have to actually meditate on our actions and let scripture judge our hearts. We will have to sacrifice ourselves, and nobody likes this but it is necessary as God has ordained sanctification through the death of our flesh as Christ is formed in us. So what else do we older women need to do to rectify this? We should always, always be pointing the younger to Christ, urging them to bring him glory in all they do. The same anguish that Paul describes in Galatians 4.19 should be on the hearts of older women as they teach the younger, that Christ be formed in them. If this is our heart, we cannot do anything but point the younger to Christ, instructing her to meditate on him and his character, urging her to subject herself to Christ, encouraging her to be like her master, and all of it for his glory. Older women also should be teaching the younger women all that is good. That means teach them about theology. Teach them the character traits and attributes of the Trinity, so that they desire to be modest to bring glory to God and not themselves. Teach them about original sin, the deity of Christ, and his atoning work on the cross. Teach them of the fruits of the Spirit and the good doctrine that he has given in his written word. Teach all of the scriptures to the young women. Again, theology impacts our practical lives. When we learn about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we learn about goodness, love, authority, submission, God's holiness, our sin, etc. All that God has revealed about himself impacts the way we live and the decisions we make the more we know about Him, the more we will be like Him, becoming more like the image that He intended from the beginning, the image that one day, upon Christ's return, God determined we would be. Show the younger woman that all the knowledge we gain from study of God's Word will bring His children to walk in faith and live out God's will in our lives. Our prayer as older woman, should align with Paul's prayer to the Philippian church, that their love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that they may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the praise and glory of God. Philippians 1, 9-10 So, in conclusion, ladies, I know that there's so much more in relation to the topic of modesty, but we need to look at the real underlying issue. All other discussion around modesty can be made right if we have the gospel and God's glory as the motivation behind all we do. Not my glory, nor even not even my husband's glory, but Christ's and Christ's glory alone. From this starting place, all other decisions regarding our dress can be done in liberty and love. From any other starting place, this topic will become subjective and may become too loose or too narrow. Of course, I know that among unbelievers, this type of admonition falls on deaf ears. But among my Christian sisters, I call on you to think on this. Ask yourselves these questions as you deal with your motivation. Who do I desire to receive all the glory for all I do, including what I look like? Who do I wish those around me would see, my beauty or Christ's beauty? How can my dress best glorify God? And if you're inclined to say, well, I'll just wear a potato sack so he will receive even more glory, (laughs) I caution you to think how a potato sack will display his beauty. God has given you your body. Adorn it in beauty, but beauty that best displays Christ and his work in and through us. I pray, ladies, that our modesty comes from limiting ourselves, that it comes from being fully aware of all that we are given and all we do is from God. The earth and everything in it belongs to God, Psalm 24, 1. Every good and perfect gift is from him, James 1, 17. I pray that we consider our calling, for not many of us were wise according to worldly standards, not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing, things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, we are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord, 1 Corinthians 26-31. to Let our dress reflect a boasting in the Lord, not in ourselves. Let all our works, including how we dress, be done in the knowledge that he works in us to both will and act according to his good pleasure. Philippians 2.13 I pray you are in his word. Ladies, if you are interested in the transcript for this episode, you can go to ttew.org. You can find other great resources, articles, blogs, and videos that may bless you in your Christian walk, as well as links to follow me on social media. If you wish to contact me, you can email me at thoroughlyequipped316 at gmail.com. Again, the website address is ttew.org. Thoroughly Equipped is part of Striving for Eternity's Christian podcast community. Striving for Eternity is a Christ-centered ministry focused on equipping people for eternity by assisting Christians to have an eternal perspective on life. They strive to bring evangelism, discipleship, apologetics, and Christian living together for the purpose of eternal preparation by exalting God, edifying and equipping the saints, and evangelizing the lost. They provide speakers, online articles, online courses, books, podcasts, and other theological resources, all centered on God's Word. To find out more, go to strivingforeternity.org. And to listen to other podcasts, go to podcast.strivingforeternity.org. I pray that their resources bless you as they have blessed me as we live our lives day by day, praising and glorifying God.